the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Another day, another dollar. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'd like to get some calls today. I'm going to be sending out a newsletter in about two hours. It's free. It's just some market commentary on what's going on right now. It's a little bit of a cleaned up version um, of what you can expect and why things have happened the way they have. To get your free copy of that, and again, it's always going to be free. I'll never charge for stuff like that. I don't get it. I don't get people who have newsletters and groups and try to you know, make money that way. It's, just, it's silly. The news that's in that newsletter will be old and stale in about five to seven days. So I don't get the whole idea of paying for content like that. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Tomorrow night going to be in Pleasanton. Um, doing a wealth preservation, retirement income strategy building event with CFP Chad Burton, talking estate planning with Michelle Lerman. All questions will be answered. Bring a copy of your portfolio. Leave it with me. I'll get some commentary back on it for you as soon as I can. Obviously, we can close your email address and content like uh, age, income, assets, liabilities, time frame, experience, suitability, goals. That's all very, very helpful in developing an opinion on finances. So a lot of people don't they take advice out of context, and context is who you are, your age, your income, your assets, your liabilities, time frames. It's, it's stunning how many people don't. Anyhow, um, take into consideration those kind of issues. You can sign up for the event for tomorrow night, 6.30 at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. A couple things that I want to throw out there. Um, Silicon Valley is a fun place to live, and it was a dream of mine as a child. And I will be there probably another 10, 20 years, and then maybe I'll split residences in another state. I'm not absolutely positively in love with it, if you know what I'm saying. I love the brains. I love the insights. Um, starting to put pieces together. You know, you see the things like WhatsApp being purchased by Facebook. And if you've played with Facebook, other than looking at your friend's ugly kid's photos, You've seen that you can make a phone call to your friends. You can text message your friends. And those are two services that quickly are taking aim at AT&T and Verizon. And it's bringing into in question, you know, how long will these big guys be big guys? Now, when you look at WhatsApp and you look at Facebook, you're look, talking about 1.5 billion people. So that's a pretty big phone company, and it's tough to evaluate these companies. They're not sharing a lot of information with us. You know, a company like Amazon.com is like, yeah, we're not going to tell you how many Kindles we sold. You know, it's like, well, how do you value the company as a hardware company other than just a retail company? You can't. So it, it really puts on a lot of stress on you and me as investors to put the pieces together. So... One other angle that I will take out of this conversation is yesterday, Jamie Dimon talked about uh, Silicon Valley. Jamie Dimon is the head of J.P. Morgan. 
And yesterday he said something pretty genius in my opinion. He built J.P. Morgan Chase, the world's biggest investment bank. He says we have threats coming from Beijing to Silicon Valley. Um, crazy, right? Silicon Valley. Now we get Silicon Valley's Facebook and Google going after the telecom companies, but did you get Silicon Valley going after the finance companies? Absolutely. Google's created a wallet program that lets users make transactions in stores and online with their smartphones. Apple has over 400 million credit cards on file with its iTunes store. It's exploring an expansion of its mobile payment system. eBay's PayPal is a leading online payment system, which accounts for 40% of the company's revenue, eBay's revenue. So Jamie Dimon said, tech companies all want to eat our lunch. And he said, I mean every single one of them. This is the most important, this is one of the most important themes going on in technology right now. I was going to do a big speech later this summer that ultimately got canceled, but part of it was I was putting together the pieces that finance companies that are traditional New York companies are fearful of Silicon Valley. Telco companies that our mom and dads grew up with when there used to be phone booths are fearful of Silicon Valley. Do not underestimate the disruptive forces. And let me give you another example. When it comes to investing, people over 40 are going to say, you know, Verizon looks like a good deal. GE looks like a good deal. Honeywell looks like a good deal. Comcast looks like a good deal. People under 40 are going to say, who's Comcast? Who's Verizon? Because they're all using Skype. Well, I'm not going to say that. I don't know who Verizon is, but I'm not going to say that. There's investments that people are actually using, services, no, no, there's services that people are actually using under 40 that are investments. There's not a lot of services over 40 that people are using that are great investments, or as far as growth goes. I just want that to sink in. I think that's a great way of starting the show, of saying things are, are, are changing. And, you know, you look at a Tesla, and it makes no, no sense. Well, before, okay, before we go to Tesla, Target. Target profit plunges 46%. Now, Target's got a lot of things going against it. Mall traffic's down, i.e., I don't like to go to a parking lot anymore. I don't like dealing with a strange dude staring at me because I took a space or I didn't take a space. Who knows? I don't like the little snotty, bratty kid sneezing on me. I don't like the whole process of going out. I like clicking at home. That's why Zulily is doing so well. Amazon's doing so well. If you've got a good service of shopping, it's going to do very, very well right now online. So Target's got that problem of people don't like to go out as much as they used to. Then they've got the problem of the data breach. Then they've got in the long-term effects of that. Then they have the problem of, you know, their competition of Amazon. You know, Procter & Gamble stocked stuff directly at Amazon for a while because it helped Amazon get it you know, out and deliver it. And Target's like, you know what, you do that, we're going to give you smaller shelf space. You know what, Target, you're shooting yourself in the foot. That's a dumb thing to say. It's a dumb thing to do. If you don't want quality product, if you can't compete with Amazon, you better at least compete with Amazon with quality. Anyhow, I hope that makes some sense. It's going to be sending out a newsletter in 
short couple hours. It's almost all written. I'm editing it today at 9, and then it's going to go out by 10. If you want to sign up for it, you can go to robblack.com, hit newsletter, sign up, boom. If for some reason that link fails, just drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Some people with some older browsers have had some issues. Next, coming up, retirement planning and bond alternative seminar tomorrow night in Pleasanton at the Sheraton Hotel, 6.30 to 9. Going to talk about decades of investment strategies. Like I just talked about one right there, low interest rate environments, big mistakes you make estate planning, trying to determine steps to reduce risk, strategies that will help you save, how to get your assets to bleed as much as they can for you. Get your calls in the air today. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. If you want to sign up for either the newsletter or the seminar tomorrow night, go to robblack.com. It's robblack.com. First couple people that drop me an email who've never been to a seminar, I will sign you up. I'll help you sign up for it free. It's $5, and it all goes to local charities, of which I'm going to be doing some more charitable events in 2014, so kind of get ready for it. Um, you can sign up at the event at robblack.com. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Uh, markets, we'll hit some market numbers when we come back. Positive, housing starts, big issue today. But not housing starts, housing sales, new housing sales, new home sales. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Stocks are higher. The S numbers in five years up 9.6%, 468,000 Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So, I don't know where I stand on this one. A woman attacked in San Francisco bar recently for wearing Google Glass that she won't be intimidated to taking the internet-connected glasses off. Um, you go into a bar and someone's got Google Glass and maybe they're taping you, maybe they're not taping you. It's tough to know. It's, it's, even if you do know, you don't know. Um, people are excited. They're curious. People want to try it on. The people want to see what it's like. Um, it's privacy invasion, not a privacy invasion. That's going to be the, one of the bigger issues. And, again, it's still an issue right now with your cell phone in the gym. Holy mackerel. You know, and with watches coming soon, with filming abilities, you can see where... Our society has to figure this one out, so that we're not hitting women in bars because they got Google Glass on their eyes. S&P 500's up two, sitting at 18.47. Can we hit 18.50 and hold it? Record close. Dow sitting up 29, sitting at 16,209. I don't care about that one as much. And Nasdaq up 13 at 4,300. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton with NewFocusFinancial.com, or at NewFocusFinancial.com. He's with New Focus Financial. We've got seminars coming up, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. You can learn more about them at RobBlack.com. So let's talk retirement products. These are topics that might come up at the seminar coming up. What retirement products, and that's a funny way of looking at it. The financial business is all about products. 
Yeah, well, one of the newest ones that I'll start with that one first because people aren't hearing about it too much is longevity insurance. Longevity insurance. So longevity insurance is an insurance policy that you can buy that if you live past you typically 85, it'll kick in and pay a, a pretty decent benefit. And the payoffs are fairly decent in terms of a if you would invest in yeah. something different than have a lump sum at that age. Um, and then it pays you as long as you live. There's also products out there, Rob, that you when, can when now... Do you, when do you buy that? You, you buy it at retirement ages, like when you retire, okay. 65 plus typically. So you pay um, it for 20 years, and then you hope that you hope that you're still alive. And then if you live and you're healthy at 85, you could live another 15, 20, 25 years. This is the two sisters now that have lived to like 120. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're making two it up. oldest living siblings ever. Yeah. Um, so in their situation, they would have been very well paid off on a, on some sort of product. I've never met anybody that's bought it yet, nor have I recommended it. Okay. But there's um, some there's a lot of variable annuities out there that say no matter what you invest in, whatever you invest, they'll pay you five to six percent for the rest of your life. It's not a principal guarantee. Yeah. It's an income for life guarantee, and it's good to have about twenty to thirty percent of your retirement needs coming from guaranteed lifetime income, whether it's Social Security, pension, or you do it your own. If you do it your own and you use one of these variable annuities that offer that lifetime income guarantee, make sure it's no load, very low fees, really good investment choices. Because a lot of the way that those charges for for commission-based brokers is that it eats into your principal so much, what you end up leaving your spouse or your heirs is very, very small. Okay, so it benefits you while you're alive, but what if you die? The money's going to go to your spouse or your heirs, so it costs you too much. But there's also products out there now being sold on balanced portfolios where you can buy Insurance, so you can set up a balanced portfolio and buy insurance for like one one and a half percent a year for extra fees. That says this balanced portfolio will provide me income for the rest of my life. So that's kind of the latest trending product out there in retirement. Are those products going to stick around? Because that's one thing that I worry about with insurance products. Like um, a lot of businesses are getting out of the annuity business because they didn't think people were going to live that long and they didn't plan for it successfully. And they're getting out of. The reverse mortgage business, right. banks, another bank just left recently. Um, another company is drastically changing. One of the There's really only four or five really good, decent long-term care providers out there, long-term care insurance right. providers. And one is uh, getting rid of the spousal 40% discount. It's usually a lot cheaper for spouses to buy. That's going away. Lifetime benefits are going away. Premiums are increasing. Um, the, those types of things are becoming more expensive as people live a lot longer. So it's really becoming more and more important to make sure you don't retire too early and build up a nest egg that's more than you think you're going to need. It's kind of a crazy concept. Um, you know, in, under age 60, you think of let's keep our insurance practical. You know, let's you know, not pay the insurance guy too much. But you're telling me that you could buy longevity insurance and you could basically place a bet on whether you're going to live past 85 and start dwindling your assets down. It's crazy, the products that's out there. Yeah, I mean, if you kind of think about it in general, if you've got, you know, let's say 30% of your portfolio, you buy that type of insurance on. Right. Or you're paying an extra one, one and a half percent in, in annual fees just to have that peace of mind in the background. And a lot of times I'll run into two people and, you know, married couple, one's more aggressive, one's very conservative. And the conservative person, a lot of times it's that lifetime guarantees and making sure that they're protected if one of them goes into a nursing home. It's really important for them to be able to do those things before they retire. So you got to, you know, there's some give and take in, in spouses when they retire and setting up portfolio and buying, uh, you know, types of retirement products that are out there. Another one that I think that'll start to pick up traction, um, uh, now it's a little tough with yield so low in bonds because they're kind of price-based on treasuries, but there's things called structured note CDs where right. you can buy CDs that are three to ten years long. 
and instead of having an annual interest rate, your 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 return isn't calculated until the end of maturity, and it's based on the movement of different indexes like the S&P 500 um, or some international indexes where you'll get, as long as you keep the CD for three to ten years, depending on the length you buy, it's FDIC insured, and you'll get, say, 45% of the upside of those indexes but no downside risk. So if CDs are paying, you know, less than a half percent, you could get 40% of an upside of an index over that period of time. A lot of people will start looking at those as well. You've got to be careful on fees on all these products, whether it's structured notes, variable annuities, uh, fixed annuities, bonds, reverse mortgages, longevity insurance. None of these things are free. Right. That's why you work with a person that is certified financial planner, but they have to be able to say they're a fiduciary and they, they're fee-based. They're not commission-based. Come meet Chad Burton at a Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning event soon. Find out more about that at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. So lots going on out there right now. You've probably heard that our Pentagon has talked about downsizing our Army to the smallest in decades. Now, again, some of the semantics there will drive you crazy. And how much our budget changes, how much is going to technology versus how much is going into labor. Before I give you that story, let me give you another story. This is the first year where American Idol is going to lose money, in large part due to the exorbitant cost of labor. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, north of $15 million in costs. Ryan Seacrest, $15 million. New set, $7 million. Viewer phone calls, $5 million. Um, so salaries increasing. Labor costs are increasing, right? Now let's go back to that Army story. So Chuck Hagel is talked about downsizing the army and what this means to you and me is their cost of business one of their cost of business is labor another is technology right so with um american idol one of their costs is is there's new set another cost is labor another cost like so you get it so that's you're starting to understand business more and more so right so if we downsize our army we're going to be basically putting 100,000, 80,000 to 100,000 people out in the workforce, and they're competing against you for jobs. Something to think about. That's one thing about government spending versus private spending. Anyhow, big event coming up Thursday evening. You can sign up for it in Pleasanton. It's an income and retirement. You've got to know this stuff. You can sign up for it. I'm going to be talking stocks that I own. Sign up for it at robblack.com. It's Thursday night, tomorrow night, 630 to 9. Sports. Visit Buffalo. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Joining me now from thestreet.com, Philip Van Dorn. He is a member of the Street's banking and finance team, obviously a very important part of our economy. We go nowhere without banks. So it's important to talk and it's important to talk to experts that have some insight into this. Philip, how are you? Great. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm doing well. Thanks for calling me Sir Rob. Um, 
With that said, you recently published an article at thestreet.com tied towards Americans being allergic to savings. There's a lot of headlines media out there that one in three aren't saving at all. You can kind of get lost in it, boomers, Xers, millennials. What's the, the basis of your piece? Well, the, the basis is that um, some may find this a boring topic and an obvious topic, but sometimes it's a good idea to discuss what, what may seem obvious otherwise. There are plenty of naysayers who will talk about macroeconomic problems and about how hard it is for people to get by in this economy, but this is much more of a micro story. Consider what your goals are and try to put some money away. Uh, America Saves Week is uh, – there's a website, americasavesweek.org, which has some very handy tools with facts for consumers, which may surprise them about how effective it can be if they save a certain amount of, of money each month and, and how quickly their savings can build. And, of course, this can be a great stress reliever for consumers over time, regardless of, of one's income level. Most people could put a little bit of money away each period if they really set their minds to it and if they were to sacrifice some of the things that they're spending their money on. So it's just, it's just food for thought. I think it's a great program. Um, in addition to America Saves Week, the FDIC has a lot of different tools, educational tools for people young and old on how important it is to save money. It's an odd concept as a financial guy. I tell people you have to save 10, 15, 20% of your salary. The more, the earlier, the better. And people look at me like, you're, you're hitting my child. Don't do that. Um, people want to live paycheck to paycheck for some reason more often than not. Um, but 10, 15, 20% is pretty easy if like, you get corporate matching in your 401k. It's pretty easy if you take your credit card rewards and throw it into savings. It's pretty easy if you take a tax refund and throw it into savings. Talk a yeah. little bit about, talk a little bit about you know, other ways of saving. Well, just, just to get to the, what you said about matching at work, you can start small. Some companies have a 2% 401k match. Okay, so if you put in 2% of your salary, that may not be much of a sacrifice. It's before tax money, and you're getting a 100% return in the first year because your, your employer is matching it. That's a done deal. You, you should strive to at least put as much in there as your employer will match. And then maybe over time you can get yourself up to the maximum by putting in a little more each year. Put in 1% more each year until you hit the maximum. Why not? It will be relatively painless because you're doing it over such a long period of time. But on, on the America Saves Week website, they're addressing people, again, at all economic levels. One of the questions that they ask is, do you have $500 put away for an emergency? That's a pretty small amount of money. And if you don't, why not? I remember uh, working at a community bank where I would see – I was in the loan department, but I could see sometimes that um, – Customers were overdrawing their checking accounts frequently, which led to yep. fees, or the customers were paying their mortgage loan bill 15 days late each month. So they weren't marked late. It would not affect their credit score, but they were paying an extra $20 a month on their bill. And I asked one once, why don't you just move this up two weeks and stop paying all these late fees? And the customer said that she couldn't do it. And if you're in an eight ball like that, if you're in a situation like that where you're behind by a couple of weeks, tighten your belt. 
do it somehow. Stop going to lunch every day. Look at all the little things that you're spending money on. Um, eat boring food for a few weeks. Do something so that you can catch up, stop paying unnecessary fees. This may, this may apply to some of the people who fall into the payday lending trap where they take repeated, very high-interest loans in anticipation of the next paycheck, and they find that they are, they have, they're trapped. They can't, get behind, they, can't, they can't get out from behind that trap by catching up somehow. Well, maybe they can if, if they reconsider their spending. Maybe they have too fancy a cable television package, for example. I think it's important to look at all your monthly bills once in a while, reconsider everything you can do to cut expenses, and talk to your spouse. I find that the more couples communicate about this type of spending and saving activity, the happier they can be and the more likely they are to, uh, to reach their goals. I think a healthy relationship, that's the whole basis, being able to talk money to start. But you also mentioned a little bit something like um, cut back and eat boring foods. I recently started a heart-healthy diet, so I'm spending a lot less on groceries. I'm eating smaller portions, but I'm eating healthier groceries. And that can go straight into savings, like you said. Uh, there's little teeny and tiny ways to save a lot of money. It can um, also get you off of the blood pressure medications, and that, that can save you $20 a month, depending on your health care plan. I've personally experienced that. And the blood pressure medicines could lead to, you know, uh, other health effects that's tapping into your emergency fund. Let your emergency fund be there for a true emergency, not a health emergency. So it, it is all interconnected in a, in a silly kind of way. Um, I'm speaking with Philip Van Dorn from thestreet.com. He's recently written an article called Stop Being Allergic to Savings. Just the title itself, Allergic to Savings, is that not just telling you everything that there's a mentality in America not of entitlement, but of, of we just don't approach it in a healthy manner. I totally agree. And part of it is the, the dominance of commercialism in our lives. We see advertisements for uh, tax refund anticipation loans. Yeah. People cannot even wait to receive their tax refunds. Not only will they spend it immediately, they will spend it before they receive it. Well, the question is why. I have, uh, again, personally witnessed people, um, in the article I mentioned uh, my little minivan story. Um, a very long time ago, I, was, um, I had a staff of 20 people at a community bank. One of my employees asked, why are you driving an old minivan when you don't even have any children? And the answer was, my mommy gave it to me and I'm saving money to buy a house. Now, I drove the worst car in my department, even though I, I was the manager of the department. And I noticed during just a few years there, some of my employees had, bought, had, had already replaced a new car after having bought one during those three years. Why are you buying a new car? A new car can, can really put you behind when it, when it comes to uh, your financial health. I've seen plenty of couples whose car payments uh, total more than their housing payments each month. Why? Some of them are buying too much house, and a lot of them are buying too much car. These cars that we're driving these days are so much better than they used to be. They can easily last 10 years. Why do you need a new car? Many people buy a new car because they think it's going to be hip to be seen in that car. And that's not a good reason for a grown-up to do anything. Well said. And you know the only thing I hate about this segment, Philip, is that it's in the I totally agree category where yeah, there's nothing that you could say. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't think it's boring. Um, we have a lot of people driving well, to work right now. Here's another thought. Uh, people are 
people spend a lot of time discussing macro events and also investment choices. Well, how can, how can your investment choices mean anything if you don't save up enough money? So put your money into the bank. See a financial planner because a financial planner could open your eyes to what everything in your life means, including your taxes, your insurance, your expenses, your loans, every little thing, including many things that you haven't thought of. So, uh, But, of course, a financial planner can't help you if you don't save. With that said, even if you know a financial planner, just ask him to buy, buy him a couple beers and, and pick his brain. Because, uh, <laughs> trust yeah, me, save, the save the fee and um, you know, develop a relationship. Um, yeah. In my family, this Christmas, uh, we abolished Christmas presents. And, you know, I know financial planning. I'll do financial planning for people. I got a family member who knows how to mow lawns. He'll mow lawns for people. So we're changing That's the materialism great. slowly. Um, I've got you know, a family member who will come and drink whiskey with me. Like, that's better than, you know, some sort of plastic Bobby Orr kind of book, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. So I've got, less, I've got less than a minute. Any final thoughts you want to push out here, Philip Van Dorn, bank analyst with TheStreet.com? Not really. I just think it's a wonderful program, and people need to be a little bit less cynical. Don't just ignore it. Oh, that's boring. Of course I should save my money. Well, there, there's food for thought for people at all income levels at the FDIC's consumer site and at the America Saves Week site. Thanks very much. I'll repeat that as you head on out. It's americasavesweek.org. Um, you can find out more about this article. You can email me, and I'll send you a link to it, and or you can go to thestreet.com and just Google or search for Van Dorn, Philip Van Dorn, americasavesweek.org. Start saving. It's step one. Um, you know, I, I know this isn't the best exit mention for him, but there's just stupid stuff that we spend money on, medical procedures that we don't need. Um, one of them I could tie towards women, and I've never found a woman unattractive. You know, there's some people who are just unfortunate looking with bone structure, but it's not because of their enhancements that they have and or don't have, and it's a, such a waste of Like, everything in your life is a expenditure. Watch what's going out the door. Watch what's coming in the door. Manage it ever so wisely and carefully. Consider anything you can. Like he said, he drove an old minivan. I've driven an old car that I've rebuilt the engine on. Um, I'm not that stressed about being seen in the BMW. I'm stressed about when I'm 75 years old, living in a home with air conditioning, living in a home and traveling and seeing the world and seeing family members. So that's why you save money, in my opinion. Big event coming up Thursday evening in Pleasanton. It is a retirement and income in retirement event. CFP Chad Burton and myself will be there. You can sign up for the event Thursday evening tomorrow night in Pleasanton at robblack.com. It's robblack.com, You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm sorry to interrupt, it's just I'm constantly on the cook. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. 
saw a freak story yesterday about a former CNN anchor losing an arm after an accident. Um, PBS science correspondent uh, Miles O'Brien, freak accident. He was basically loading and unloading some cargo. Uh, some of the cargo fell on his arm and it created a compartmentalized wound and off goes his arm. It's a good thing that he's got disability insurance. It's something you don't think about, but his ability to earn income just went way down. Again, am I being insensitive for bringing it up so soon? Probably. But it's also why you insure things. Let's bring in, well, hold on before we do that. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers, um, see what we got here. Um, as far as where we are, can we close in record territory on the SP 500? We're at 1851. That would be nice. The Dow's up 51, sitting at 16230, and the Nasdaq's up 25 at 4313. Joining me now is Michelle Lerman with Lerman Law. She's going to be at the event tomorrow night in Pleasanton, Sheraton Hotel, 630 to 9, talking estate planning. How are you, Michelle? I'm great. Thanks. Some of the some of your topics. You're an estate planning attorney. Some of your topics for tomorrow evening are tied towards mistakes, or what are you bringing in this time? I'm going to talk about the California estate plan if you haven't created your own estate plan. I'm sure you've probably run into this really unfortunate situation of people not having a plan or having a really outdated plan, and so that people understand what happens, because if you haven't created a plan, actually California law has created one for you, and it's probably not the plan that people want. Give me an example of what California is going to assume if I die without an estate plan of my own. Well, I've had, I would say, as surprising as it is that literally daily people call telling me just the saddest stories of, people who thought that their plan was taken care of, but they just didn't have the proper documents. So an example would be if if a husband passes away and he owned his home before the marriage and they've been living in the home for 25 years, when the husband dies, that home doesn't go to the wife. It doesn't go to the wife unless he holds it in the right way or unless he has an estate plan like a living trust that leads it to the wife. Otherwise, if he, if the, if the husband who dies, if he has parents living or if he has siblings living, the parents or the siblings get half of the house. The surviving spouse only gets half of the house because he held it in his own name and he had it before his marriage. So under California community property laws, that's, separate property. It's not community property. It's pretty sad. Now, you're saying if they're married, that's the case? They're married. They're okay. married. But he had the house before the marriage. So under, okay. under, yeah, so under California community property laws, when you own an asset before marriage, that's separate property. It's not community property. So when you die, if you don't have a will or a trust, there's a probate code section that says where that house is going to go, and it's not all going to go to the um, to the surviving spouse. In fact, if the person dies and has children and has more than one children, more than one child, only a third of the house uh, is going to go to the spouse. So. The bottom line is that you don't want California default rules 
to determine where your assets go. You want to determine where your assets go. And that's what we're going to talk about, how to do that simply and easily. And again, that's not cheery topics because you're talking about death usually and what happens after death, but it's also incredibly wonderful knowing that your assets will be distributed to your children or your heirs in the way you want it done, Uh, whether it's when they turn 25, 35, 45, whether it's when they get married, whether it's when they get a college degree. Um, It is kind of a happy thing knowing that, you know, your influence will be felt in a good way if it's done properly. I think so. I think so. And the other thing, Rob, is what you just mentioned. If someone is incapacitated, what a horrible story you just mentioned about the um, with the losing your arm. But if we are incapacitated, that's something really important for an estate plan to cover. Because if we can't handle our own affairs and we're alive, we need to take control over what happens. And you don't want that going to a court and having a judge decide or having siblings fighting over the care of their mother. So all of that can be taken care of in a state plan. That's what we're going to talk about. Just really easy, simple steps on how to make sure that you have control and that your family's protected. We're speaking with Michelle Lerman. She'll be with us tomorrow in Pleasanton, 630 to 9, with CFP Chad Burton and myself. When is a good time to get an estate plan, or better yet, when is it too late to get an estate plan? Well, it's too late if you uh, once once you know it's pretty hard to fix a problem uh, after someone has already died. Once in a blue moon, we can go to court and figure out a creative remedy, but most of the time, it's too late once you're incapacitated or once you pass away. But I would say, when do people need a plan? I would say that if you have a child and if you own a home. Those are really simple benchmarks. When you own a home in California, there's very little reason not to put that home into a living trust. If all you have is a retirement account, and that's all you have is a retirement account, maybe you don't need to have a living trust, but certainly you need to have a health care directive so that you take control over what happens if you were in a coma or terminally ill. Thanks very much. People can find you at LermanLaw.com. It's Michelle Lerman with Lerman Law. She is the estate planner that I trust and refer people to. She's a estate planner that I work closely with. She will be in Pleasanton tomorrow night towards the Wealth Preservation Retirement Income Estate Planning Mistakes and Income and Retirement event in Pleasanton, 630 to 9. If you've never been to an event, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. I'll send you a code to get in. If you have been, it's 5 bucks. You can sign up at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Tomorrow night, Pleasanton. It'll be a good event. You'll learn a lot. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. How are things doing in the world of business? The SP 500's on. Uh, will it? Won't it? Will it? Won't it? Love me, love me not. Love me, love me not. Um, can it close at a record high today? The Dow's close, up 30 at 16,210, but the SP 500's really close, up 4 at 1849. The Nasdaq's up 21, since 43.08. New home sales in the U.S. unexpectedly rose to a five year high. That's nice. With that said, some of the data that we've seen recently says prices in homes are starting to slow, which is also nice because it tells you that some of the speculation is taken out of the market, which is good, and the rates are still low, and it allows people who can 
say, I'm going to live in here 5, 10, 15, 20 years to make a decision that will improve their financial health. Here's a bad story of the day. San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge marked a milestone in 2013. 46 people have leaped to their deaths. It's the deadliest year for suicides at Landmark. And um, take a look. Like That tells you a reflection of what? Things are great out there? Uh-uh. Carl Icahn's calling the board of eBay dysfunctional. He said it's time to end the charade. There's a small-town mentality of uh, the Silicon Valley where we have some really, really bright people who kind of get a little incestuous, and they hang out with similar really, really bright people. And they sometimes seem to be making deals that might be benefiting them more so than the companies that they serve for that are publicly traded, which means you and I own them. If we own shares, we're owners just as much as he is. Um, other stories of note today that I want to hit, Target had a bad quarter. Um, I think Target's got a lot of problems facing them, including competition from Amazon.com and people just not wanting to go out and get some of that shipping straight to your door kind of angles. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com, host of New Focus on Wealth, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. here on AM 1220, KDOW. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well. A little more energy? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give a little more energy. So okay. Good morning. Good morning to you and to you and to you. <laughs> um, anything that, what's on your agenda? We're speaking, obviously, tomorrow at Pleasanton, 639 at the Sheraton. Uh, particularly, you're going to be talking about some alternatives for income. It's not the mom and dad's market that you and I both grew up in. Um, so, I like that angle already right there because it's very 21st century. Uh, what are you bringing to the table tomorrow, Mr. Burton? Well, you know, these events are – we allow people to ask questions um, and, and even write them down if they're too shy. So kind of sent you a list of the questions that we get at almost every single event to give you an idea of the things that we answer. Okay, I'll, um, I'll do the first one. Should I pay off my home in retirement? And the funny thing is a lot of the answers to this are, are maybe. Um, it's a situational. Uh, it depends Ooh. on what you're trying to do with your house, your taxes, and your cash, and your bond funds. So if you need the tax deduction, you have a decent tax deduction on your loan, I would say don't pay it off. If you're way into your amortization and you're paying mostly principal, and you've got a lot of money sitting in bond funds, long-term bond funds, and if you can run an analysis, which is a good time right now because people are meeting with their tax advisors that say, hey, if I pay off my house, am I still able to itemize deductions? A lot of people in the Bay Area are still able to itemize their deductions even after they pay their house off if they're in retirement. So you and I, well, no, we shouldn't. We should have a 30-year mortgage, um, stretch it out as long as we can. But as you get to that you know, age of about 55, 60 or later, it changes a little bit. It becomes, okay, if I have a mortgage, I'm pulling more money out of my portfolio, and it requires typically a bit more fixed income. Right now, fixed income isn't that attractive, so sometimes it makes sense for people, if they can still itemize their deductions, to maybe withdraw some money from a bond fund, not individual bonds, but a bond fund, and uh, possibly pay down their mortgage. Okay, and we're talking about some of the types of questions you'll see tomorrow night in Pleasanton, Sheraton Hotel at the Wealth Preservation Income Alternatives Retirement Event. I'll be there. You'll be there. Michelle Lerman will be there. Next question. What account should I draw upon from first in retirement? That is a very common question at these events. It is. It is. And this one is geared a bit more towards bond alternatives, so I don't get as much in the tax side as I do at 
either a wealth preservation or the 10 pillars of income planning events. So, you know, we got another one coming next month that we will do more on that. But the question that you need to ask yourself is, how much can I draw from my IRA first? Everybody tries to put those off. But you need to find out with your advisor, with your CPA, and say, okay, I'm retired. How much can I pull out of my IRA to live off of and still maintain a 15% bracket, which is quite a bit for married filing jointly? Uh, or how much can I convert if I'm under the age of 70? How much can I convert from my IRA each year to maintain my existing marginal bracket? so that I pay some taxes now at the same rate I'm always going to pay and create a tax-free account, um, you know, by the time I'm 70. And it also helps reduce the amount of required minimum distributions you have to take at age 70. So there's a lot of tax planning that goes into the income planning side. Okay, another question that comes in for CFP Chad Burton, who honestly, most ethical, sweetest, nicest, thorough CFP I've ever met, and that says something. Mr. Burton, I have been told I should wait until age 70 to take Social Security. That's a good idea sometimes. But where will I get the money to live on in the meantime? That's the damnation game. That's a good question. So, um, you know, the the choice is when people are, are waiting, that scares me a little bit. That question always scares me a little bit because I don't know the situation. Are they trying to not take money from a large IRA that they have? Um, if that's the case, so as long as a person waits from full retirement age, it's, which is 66 to 67 for most people, to age 70, it's like an 8% rate of return on that Social Security money. So it really pays to wait if you think you're going to live past age 85 or so. Um, and the question is, where do you get the money? Well, you can draw on your other assets. So that analysis comes into play. If you're a person that only has pre-tax retirement accounts that you'll have to pull more out of in the early years, in order to hold off on Social Security, which means you pay more taxes, it might not pay. That's when you can actually do um, things like a, a reverse mortgage, for example, if you're really hurting and, and just don't quite have enough in retirement. And Social Security, putting it off to like 70 is really important to you. You don't have any other you know, after-tax accounts to draw from. That's when a reverse mortgage might make some sense, that that industry has really matured a lot to where – CFPs like myself are looking at that as a way to help people increase the longevity of their portfolio because so many people are just retiring without enough money now, Rob. It's just it's sad. It's sad. It's scary. And I'm concerned about my taxes. I'm concerned about Medicare and Medicaid. And uh, as a result of all these baby boomers, which a majority, I would say, are underprepared for retirement. They have not saved enough. Majority equals 60% in your mind? Oh, I, I would say it's more. Um, okay. It, it's tough because I deal with the, the higher account values, so I don't see. I hear about it though. I was having a conversation with a client who's one of their parents' doctor. At one point before the tax correction, had a portfolio of three million. They're now seventy-one years old, have poor health, and only a hundred and eighty thousand dollars left to live on plus Social Security. That's scary. People are avert to saving for retirement. I was speaking with the streets, Philip Van Doren, this morning about people being allergic to saving. If you want to break this habit, come see CFP Chad Burton and myself and Michelle Lerman Thursday night in Pleasanton. Chad will be with us again soon. Thank you, Chad. We'll hear from him again today from 1 to 2 on New Focus on Wealth. But you can meet him live in person tomorrow evening, Thursday in Pleasanton. 639 Sheraton Pleasanton Hotel. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. If you need a free ticket and never been, it's five bucks. It's cheaper than a movie. You can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Tree.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Fun. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. And you want to talk about what we've talked about. And again, I do my very, very best to bring you stories that help you in some way, shape, or form. You know, whether it be hamburgers are going to be more expensive next year. Um, drought is causing inflation. When there's drought, we don't really want to feed the cows um, because there's not enough green grass and green goods to give them. So we kill them, and that drives prices down. In the following year, there's just not enough cows, and that drives prices up. So it's an it's not an interesting dilemma California faces. It's a dilemma to the point that I think we all need to start taking initiatives. Uh, I was talking with... Uh, Mark Dannon from Channel 4 Cron News, who is a meteorologist, I said, so when's this drought story going to be done? I said, probably never. There's just too many damn people in California. And there's some truth to that. So, yeah, a couple years of rain, and we'll all look back on this and go, ah, ha, 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 ha. But keep in mind, California suffered through a 180-year drought and a 250-year drought in the last thousand years. And now we've got a lot more people here. So, just something to think about. Are there drought investments? Sure. S&P 500 is up 6. The Dow is up 57. The Nasdaq up 27. 2. 1. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, talking a little real estate. And Tony and I are friends, and we go back ways. And he does all my mortgage loans, and anytime I need to refer someone, I know that he gets the job done. Um he and I talk on a regular basis, and one of our conversations recently was, I think you should consider buying or pushing Oakland as the next big thing, in large part because of the Google buses, because of the Facebook buses. It's telling me that people are willing to travel large distances to get to work, and they want affordable housing. They also want a party in San Francisco, but they want affordable housing, and I look at the affordable housing of Oakland as attractive compared to San Francisco enormously. And I think the next wave of jobs, maybe it's people getting fired, maybe it's maybe the jobs won't come, but I think if jobs come, I think, you know, an area like in Oakland will do very very well. What's your thoughts? Well, the first important thing that you said was it's affordable or more affordable. And the Bay Area, everybody knows the Bay Area is expensive. I mean, median home prices over $500,000. And that pertains to Oakland as well. There's several $500,000 homes plus. Um but, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people have to start considering, places like the East Bay, Oakland, San Leandro, Hayward, Fremont, so on. Well, Fremont, maybe not so much. Their median price is over 600000 But it's all about affordability, and people are starting to look at places like Oakland and, and Jack London condos and so forth. There was a big condo rush in Oakland, um, and which has driven the, the community there. There's a really nice... Um, night, uh, uh, nightlife in Oakland. You know, the Fox Theater's there, Broadway, Telegraph area is really nice. I'll be and honest with you. I went to a show. I saw a train, I think it was. Who else have I seen there? You saw the, the girl. What's her name? Um, pianist. Yeah. What is her name? Uh, 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 uh. That one. That one. Um, long story short, got really drunk. Had a good time. Partied, stayed at the hotel right across from the Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca something. Why am I forgetting this? Anyway, neither here nor there. 
I think it, it's vibrant enough. Regina. Regina Spectre. You're correct. Okay, so different topic. Different topic. Um, and I might have been the only straight male there that night. Just so you know. Just so you know. Um, so is there a chance that we're wrong about potentially thinking that the next big thing is Oakland when in reality, like, you mix that with people under 35, they're future home buyers, they're the future jobs that we need to come in and support an area. Again, I own no real estate in Oakland. I'm just, you know, talking this through that I don't think anyone can afford my city. Um, they could afford the outskirts of my city, which I guess maybe that's the outskirts of the San Francisco. This is Oakland. And should people be looking at the outskirts of great cities, or should they be looking at Oakland? Oh, uh, I, I would look at – I would – it's all up to – uh, that's a tough question, Rob, because... I know. There's no right answer. There is no right answer. Uh, first-time home buyers, especially, are are getting squeezed. Their rents are going up. Home prices are going up. Rates are going up. There's no inventory. Right. I mean, what, how, how worse of a scenario can you have? Um, and, and, and that eventually is going to turn neighborhoods in, in, into better neighborhoods. There's going to be some transitions. And Oakland is one of them in the outlying areas of Oakland. Uh, and we're already starting to see that. Um, there was a big condo push like we had talked about, and, and that's revitalizing a lot of the businesses in, in, that are nearby. And, and that's going to continue spreading. Uh, the, the area between Berkeley and Oakland, that's being revitalized. Uh, and home prices are going up. Taxes are going up. Uh, revenues from taxes are going up. So it, it, it's a snowball effect, um, so to speak. And at the same time, a lot of more people are able to refinance and stay in their home. So... Um, I like Oakland. I like the East Bay. There's, it, this morning, traffic was great. I was okay. able to get up and down 880 at 6 o'clock this morning. That's it was, rare. It, which is rare. Typically, there's a couch on the road. You know what's funny is I hear, you know, I check the traffic reports, and 880 is great. You know, there's always something on 580 or 680, and never on 880, rarely. Except for a, a except for the couch. Tra- tractor trailer flipped tra- over into the three. Right, East Bay, I know what you're trying to say, but you know, I, I like the fact that you've changed your you tune. You know that I'm, oh, you know. I've, you've changed your tune on, on East Bay. I'm not. I a, like it. No, I'm, I'm saying you always have to look at the opportunities and trends, and I am fascinated by the millennials because they don't mind smaller spaces. So I think if Oakland hits, I think it will be in the condos and townhouses, which I typically don't. There's so few inventory right now in condos, and, and all of them are expensive. But there's a lot of people that still could be, as you use the word, pushed out. Um, I use the word gentrification. It goes back to my time in New York when I saw Hell's Kitchen go from a rough neighborhood to a lot of yuppies sipping you know, um, grass tea. And I think the same thing happens in Oakland, where yep. the taxes go up. I think people get pushed out. I think the anger that you saw in San Francisco over Google buses, I think, turns into the anger that you'll see in Oakland is, again, money, money talks. And rent control loses over time as the landlords and owners want desperately to get higher costs out of uh, higher payments out of people. Anyhow, and anyway, that's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good resource for all things tied towards real estates and loans. BayAreaLoanSource.com. So, I'm Rob Black. I bring the show to you, and yes, I say some ridiculous things, and yes, I tell you that I'm human. I am a robot when it comes to investing, and I'm comfortable with that. I'm a machine. I have no emotions. I've got no happiness. I've got no sadness. It's, I think, the best way to approach investing. I've got a very good friend who is in the video gaming industry, and a couple weeks ago he said, I sold Tesla and uh, Google, and he made a good fortune on it. 
And I said, I'm buying Google and Tesla because when the person who makes video games for a living is on the side trading, he's trading on a, he's seeing something. He's not seeing at all. One of the things that I can do is not be emotional. It's an interesting thought. Anyhow, I'm going to be in Pleasanton tomorrow night, 6.30 to 9. Show up, support me, support the show. You can learn more information about this retirement event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Jeff Rosen from Briefing.com in just a minute, but I kind of want him to comment on this. An article out today, literally zero homes in San Francisco that a teacher can afford. The average teacher in San Francisco County makes $59,700 a year. In order to, that basically means they could afford a $220,000 home. There's government programs for teachers that will help them with 20% down, but there are literally zero homes for sale right now in the greater San Francisco area, which includes, you know, many, many, many counties, um, whether it be, you know, uh, Contra Costa, San Francisco, San Mateo, Santa Cruz, Sonoma, you know, then you get into Monterey. It's stunning. That's going to be a problem if you're not Mark Zuckerberg, Larry Ellison, or their close colleagues, because you need teachers to live close by to raise your kids, to raise the school scores, to raise the home values. Let's bring in Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com, clearly and concise with all things economics. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Good. Any comment on firefighters, cops, teachers being priced out of areas and the economic ramifications? Yeah, it's kind of actually surprising, at least, uh, yeah, and I don't know San Francisco in terms of what the laws and the regulations are, but like in Chicago, um, if you want to be a school teacher with the Chicago public school system, you have to live in Chicago proper. So, you know, the fact that you can't buy a house, you know, in your district means that, you know, there would realistically be no teachers in Chicago, um, you know, obviously you can get around that by by renting a place instead of buying, but uh, it does make for interesting rental rates if because um, they you know in order to attract people at that you know income level, you, you can't have a rental rate that is normally associated with the underlying value of the asset with a you know with a house that's you know three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. A new home sales came out today, and they were much stronger than expected. How did that happen? <laughs> um, that's the uh, million-dollar question. I, it's one of these things that, uh, and, and I was talking with um, with Pat O'Hare, you know, and you talked to Pat uh, yesterday, sure. and we were discussing the weather effects and how the weather effects are going to 
be played out and how the Fed's going to look at this. And, and I've been one of these people who have believed that the weather is being used as an escape goat, and it's not necessarily um, – you know, weather-related for all the bad econ data that we've seen in, in January and in uh, late December. In my opinion, it's been more of a cyclical downturn that we've seen um, that normally comes around uh, at this time of year when we've seen it in the last few years. And this report seems to suggest that as well. I mean, because the fact that yeah, the Northeast area see sales rise 73%, and that was an area that uh, got hit hard by winter weather. I was stuck in Philadelphia for a week because of, um, you know, it basically snowed in the airport there, and uh, there was, you know, snow in Chicago as well, which made it difficult to come in, and yet demand rose. So, you know, it looks to me that we're seeing that the data is not weather-related, that the increase in sales proved today that uh, weather is not that major of a factor over the entire country. We saw it in the jobs numbers where the construction component was not um, really weak when you would expect weak construction given weather conditions. We saw it in um, you know, existing home sales where you had the big downturn came from the West, which did not suffer from uh, weather-related uh, problems, and you saw it also in the housing search where you, again, saw big pullbacks out west where weather should have been a factor. So how, as an economist, are you playing this out? Are you saying, okay, let's blend the first six months or the first three and the last three of last year? How is the data working in your head? I mean, what I look at is to see how the seasonal trends relate to uh, the past seasonal trends. And there's definitely a weather factor. I mean, we're, you can definitely stay in the Midwest. Things are slowing down uh, just because you can't leave your house. I mean, it, it's dangerous at times in January to leave your house. So with that respect, you know, you have some sort of down period or down area. But in general, when you look at the trends throughout, you know, the entire United States and you look at what we've seen in previous years, especially last year and in um, 2011, 2012, moving into, into that period, you had big upticks in the in the you know second half of the year to be followed by you know a really quick deceleration in economic growth, and I don't see anything that's breaking that. You know, everyone's confidence, especially the forecasters' confidence improves with these strong signs, but they're taking those strong signs as a lasting component as opposed to a fleeting, potentially seasonal uh, arrangement. And I've been looking at it more as the second half, you know, the seasonal problem. So when I'm forecasting, you know, 2014, I was forecasting a slowdown in the first half, followed by a pickup in speed in the second, and I don't see anything changing uh, with that forecast right now. I'm not sure which direction you want to go, but let's go international for a brief moment. It seems like Europe's doing okay, which it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. U.S. doing okay. Asia, we don't quite know. In emerging markets, we don't quite know. What are you seeing internationally at this point in time as far as it helps the U.S. economy? Well, I don't know if it's going to help the U.S. economy much. I don't think the export sector in the United States is strong okay. enough to be a primary leader of economic growth. Um, a lot of it is not labor-intensive. 
So even if we do get a big pickup in exports, we're not going to have a big pickup in jobs because of it. And you would need the big pickup in jobs to be a catalyst to spring U.S. domestic growth. So I think that, you know, for, for the U.S. to grow, we're going to have to do it more internally than, than relying on, uh, you know, gains from, from trading partners. What are you working on right now? What are you seeing that's more important? Because I just asked a really stupid question, so I kind of want to, like, get get smart again. Well, um, I mean, I'm spending a lot of time on housing because, you know, it, it, it's you know, it's a very – big key to this recovery okay. you know everyone's using the the housing uh, metric as the key component for solid growth in 2014 and we saw you know a nice bump up in construction the question is is that going to continue and it's concerning that the way the trends are in sales meaning that we're seeing slowdowns in sales we're possibly going to have higher interest rates going forward given the fed is likely to continue tapering, uh, which will reduce affordability conditions. And at the same time, you have builders building into this. And uh, is that the smart thing to do? And if that, you know, determines is not the smart thing to do and builders cut back, how is that going to help uh, overall economic growth if the housing sector is not a primary contributor to positive gains? What effect do you think higher interest rates will have in real terms with real people credit cards, higher mortgages, is it going to be material or is it something that we'll adjust to as it slowly happens? It, I, I, most likely people will adjust to it. It all depends on uh, inflation. And, I, and I'm a proponent of not believing inflation is going to be a problem uh, over the next several years. And that follows basically what uh, expectations are based on, on tips rates. But if inflation unexpectedly increases and it forces the Fed to raise rates at a faster rate than they anticipated, that could cause problems because you will see, you know, drastically higher credit card charges and whatnot uh, well before the consumer can adjust their spending habits to take that into account. Anything else that you're working on or anything else on the horizon that we need to be aware of? No, next week is jobs. I think that's the the key thing to look at. It'll be interesting to see uh, on Monday how the uh, sales reports come in. We're going to see the services component probably heavily affected by weather. Uh, We anticipate a big increase in in services spending because of uh, household heating bills. But, you know, the question is how is the good sector going to hold up? You know, we had a pretty weak retail sales report. And, you know, my guess is that the uh, motor vehicle sales coming in for February are also going to be weak. So, you know, looking at all that, how how is it all going to play out? Thanks very much. Your heating bill is probably going to go up this weekend. Thanks for putting up with me. I totally appreciate it. It is Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist, Briefing.com. Lots of insights there. Housing, jobs. Housing, jobs. And you get my stupid question about international. But with that said... I'm forgiving myself already. You can find out more about briefing.com. They provide a slew of information. Um, Tuesdays, I talk with Patrick O'Hare. Wednesdays, I talk with Dr. Jeff Rosen. It's one of my highlights of the week. Um, Briefing.com provides independent live market analysis of the U.S. and international equity markets. Um, You can find out more at briefing.com. And when I endorse something, I try to endorse it. I've worked with these guys. They haven't paid me a penny. I've used their product for 15 plus years. Again, it's not for everyone. 
I just think it's nice to have unbiased information. To get your calls there, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget, i got a big event coming up Thursday in Pleasanton. Thursday in Pleasanton, it is a retirement event tied towards income in retirement, explaining how to build a retirement portfolio that hopefully lasts till the day you die, if not longer. You can sign up for the event Thursday, February 27th, Pleasanton, at the Stone Ridge Mall Road, Sheraton Hotel, 639. Sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's tomorrow night. Sign up now. S&P 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black. Your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You know how, many, how hard I've been pumping this seminar in the last two days? How many people have signed up? Three. That's disappointing if you want to stay in radio forever. Um, need some sort of response. Now, I've got plenty of people to sign up with websites and with emails and other things, so I'm not that stressed. It'll be a good event. But I test these things to figure out what's working and what's not working, and there's no doubt there's a big sea change happening in the world with AM radio, FM radio, with um, satellite radio, with things that we used to think of as traditional businesses. If you're over 40, they're struggling. There was a point in time where my father said, invest in Fannie Mae. It ain't, you know, it ain't all that in a bucket of chicken anymore. It went through some tough times. So the elder generation, and I'm going to split it into two, on over 40, under 40. You know, AT&T and Verizon in my lifetime have always been great investments. But you know what? Facebook and Google are going to be the AT&T and Verizons because they all do voice over internet protocol. They're not investing huge sums in, in licenses. They're not investing huge sums in, in equipment. It's more Internet protocol versus, you know, wireless telco equipment. It's fascinating to watch, in my opinion. So some traditional business models, they're going to have to change. And let me give you an example of one. Cable TV has to go a la carte soon. And it would be wise if the companies like Comcast did it, because if they don't do it, you know, the companies like Apple and Roku, they're going to peck, 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 peck away and continue to get people to sign up and leave cable and cut the cord forever. It's going to happen. We want a la carte. We're going to get a la carte. Right now, Comcast should say, you know what? You want Netflix? I'm going to help get you Netflix. And I'm going to get a piece of their action. You want Amazon? I'm going to, I'm going to be a salesperson for them. Pandora? We could do that too. You want all the NHL games a la carte? Not a problem. Buy the NHL center ice package. So this is a no-brainer. It's going to happen. Services like Roku, they're getting ready to come public. They won't be in business in three years. We don't need the middleman in between TVs and content. I love Roku, but they're going to be a lot like uh, TiVo. That It's going to be finding themselves very difficult to support themselves when the cable industry has already do something so much similar to that. So i got a big event coming up tomorrow night, Sheraton Hotel, Pleasanton, California. 
639, February 27th, Retirement Planning and Bond Alternatives. Um, again, three people, two to three people have signed up in the last two days after heavy plugging. What do you want from me? You tell me, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com, and I'll change my content for you. Recently, Tesla stock has rocked up 65% since January 1. You're seeing Google, Netflix, Tesla, Facebook at all-time highs. You're seeing Facebook do a $16, $17 billion deal, right? It's an ominous sign. It's an acceleration, and that tends to be a little bit of a problem in the world of technology. I was around in 1999, you know, when companies, you know, were coming public for billions of dollars just because they had the word Linux in their names. I saw companies like 3Com take a 5% stake in Palm subsidiary public in 2000. So I watched that 5% little stub become worth more than all of 3Com. 3Com had Palm Pilots. Palm Pilots comes public. Palm Pilots market cap becomes bigger than 3Com's. We're not quite there yet as far as panic goes. No, no, as far as warnings go. But you've got to know, this bull market's had a crazy run. Tesla's market capitalization is approaching that of Ford. It's ahead of itself. But if they can get into the trillion-dollar energy utility, regulate, utility industry, as well as the car industry, where we're buying units to store power at our home, or our offices, or our communities, that could be huge. So you kind of get some of this, these businesses have these, these twists that we don't know about yet. And again, that's why there's over 40 opinions and under 40 opinions. Climaxes always feel good until that moment after it where there's that letdown. Right now, Wall Street is racing ahead, especially in these big four tech companies. Have a plan so that if you go on vacation, you don't have a plan play for you. You have your plan play for you. So just throwing it out there. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Here, it has to be the most ridiculous story of the day. Hipsters in New York. The thick flowing beards of a hipster. The facial hair is driving facial hair transplants. Now, we've known about women getting um, enhancements. So facial hair transplant is an enhancement for a man. It's sick to have facial hair. New York City doctors who specialize in the procedure, you know, they're getting $7,000 to help you pump up your beard. A thicker beard, better than a thin beard. So, an advertising executive did this. One decade, you know, this went from, you know, on occasion, and now it's a lot of young professionals in their 20s and 30s, they're seeking the procedure. A lot of detail-oriented people, artists, architects, are going to doctors and saying, you know, I need the hipster beard which is just surreal. It helps some people feel younger, which is just surreal. Um, So the procedure ranges in price from $3,000 for fill-ins to $7,000 for a full beard. While doctors prefer head hair, on rare occasions, patients who are balding might be able to use hair from the chest. (laughs) This is just ridiculous. One doctor says he's now doing... um, you see an increasing number of, of them. I get a lot of detail-oriented people. Oh, he um, started out just doing a handful of beard transplants each year a decade ago. Each year, just a handful. But now he's averaging about three beard implants a week. $3,000 to $7,000 down the toilet for facial hair. 
That has to be the best story of the day. Anyhow, big event tomorrow night, Pleasanton. I want your feedback. What's going right? What's going wrong with the show? Rob at robblack.com. Come out to the Pleasanton event for retirement and income. CFP Chad Burton's new focus on Wealth Day 1 to 2. Are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network. This station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Hey, it's Flint Lockwood here from Swallow Falls. My friends and I have just discovered these amazing living foodimals. But wait, we've also discovered a crisis that needs our help. According to my calculations, one in five kids in America struggles with hunger. That's almost 17 million kids. Our mission is to help solve hunger by teaming up with the Feeding America Network to get food to kids facing hunger. In- Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.